Hello, everyone. This is Tandem Coaching Academy, Skipping Agile Coaching Non-Denominational. And I'm your host today, Alex Goodenough. And today I interview two absolutely fantastic ladies. They are both MCCs, Master Certified Coaches with ICF. And I'm talking to Shri Silas and Diana Ideas. Hello, ladies. How are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So today we are talking about failing MCC. So you know what? When I think about MCCs, it's like gods or demigods. <laughs> gods don't fail. Oh, they do. What happened? Yeah, so I'll I'll start with that. So even though it's kind of known the MCC pass rate used to only be 7%, I think now it's about 50%. But the process of actually submitting a call or calls that your mentor coach is like, okay, you know, there's no guarantee, right? But your mentor coach potentially puts you in front of other people and says, you've got this. And then for myself, getting that back and having basically two red X's, you don't get a lot of feedback. It's just like, hey, you failed. Do you want to reapply? Do you want to reapply within six months? And after having been, so I'll speak for myself, having been a coach for 15 years, but then also a PCC for the last 10 years, getting the hours and the training and all of that, it's, it's incredible. It's incredibly disheartening <laughs> to be at the very, what you see as the top of your game and this transformation in your coaching and then to fail. But <laughs> if you reapply and kind of keep working at it, um, and through that process and also hearing from other MCCs who made it, but only after failing, that was part of my journey. So I'll, I'll let, uh, I'll hand the mic over, but I know we can get into more detail. Yeah. Um, failing was like falling from a skyscraper. <laughs> like I hit the ground hard when I failed. I got, um, I submitted my recordings, my, um, my mentor coach was like, you got it. It's great. I mean, you're all the way. And then submitted them, got back an email that said, mm, you're rejected with almost no feedback. Um, and, and I was like, what do I do with this? I have no idea, no idea what to do with this. And I brought it back to my mentor coach and she was like, I don't know what to do with this either. And then she went back and reviewed and she was like, okay, they're right. I know what to do now. And, um, but it was, it, you know, they give you six months to reapply. I took a year and a half <laughs> because I was not going to fail again. And I'm not going to lie. The first year I just like, when I got, I didn't even read the thing. I just like, oh. and said, I, 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 I don't know if I can do this. I'm done. Like I was so heartbroken and didn't know and embarrassed and didn't know what to do um and then after a year i finally said okay i've got to i've got like my whole life is on hold i've got to do something so that's when i i stepped up and moved in <laughs> so it's definitely not experience you wish anybody would have no it's like that uh like diana was saying like the but for me, it's kind of like as the train going for 15 years and then runs into a wall yeah. and then somehow keeps going. 
Yeah, you will. You're just, I mean, it's so discouraging and it's interesting to see, like, I think support comes into play and having a support network, but, you know, having your mentor be like, what you failed, what, you know, it's, it helps in some ways, but then it's also frustrating because you don't necessarily know what to do. You know, it's, it's interesting. I was talking to a friend of mine and they were like, well, you're not a failure. And I was like, actually, I just failed. So, you know, technically that is the definition of failure. And they were like, no, 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 you'll get there. I had clients who were up in arms who don't even know what the ICF is. And we're like, you're the best coach ever. How could they not like, you know, let you in? But it's, I think it makes me a better mentor because people are so, adverse to failing and, and, and we don't look at it as learning. And especially for MCC, that kind of demigod or godlike level where, you know, it's just kind of a mystery. How do you get there? How do you coach that way? There is no spoon. So getting through that process, I mean, I'll say for myself, the, the, what I learned between my first submission and my second submission was significant. I changed as a, as a coach and it also changed me as a person. So I think, I think that that's part of it too. It's hard to be told no entry and not know if you're ever going to get in after you've been pursuing it for so long, but every MCC says that the learning continues. I think for us, it was just the learning had to continue. Otherwise we weren't going to get the MCC. Mm. And I would like to get back to your learnings and how you proceeded there. But before that, I want to kind of a little bit dig into deeper into, Sherry, how did you scrape yourself off that ground under the high scraper and just found strength to keep going? Well, I guess once I got over the shame, <laughs> because my mentor coach was like, nobody I have ever said was going to pass has failed before. Mm, same. Right. So that's the other thing, right? You're breaking someone's flawless record. That's awful. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I guess I took some time to heal. And then I, I went back and I said, okay, I can either go forward or I can stop here. And, and so I took it as a learning experience and I, I actually hired multiple mentor coaches that I worked through it um, in that that next time period and um, worked with multiple because I wasn't going to get a thumbs up from one mentor coach. He's like, nope, not doing that one again. And so I, I, I worked with several mentor coaches. I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful that I was rejected the first time. I am worlds greater than I was when I first submitted it, it's it's like night and day I thought I was good I didn't I had no clue and so what I learned after really put me really put me at the next level and yet even as even even being an MCC I find myself again thinking okay now it's time to start learning it's it's almost like I'm I'm starting at the bottom again and like okay now I need to think I need to fulfill this big thing I need to learn even more. Mm -hmm. So I keep hearing this theme, this constant theme is learning. You run into the you run into the ground, you run into the wall, and then you kind of keep up going and keep up learning. So 
what have you to focus in your learnings that got you from this failure to the eventual success? Yeah, so for me, part of the process was, you know, knowing that my mentor highly recommended me not being sure whether, and I was talking to her about this before, whether I should go fast or slow. Because I said, look, I can take an extended time and try to learn a bunch more things, but I might just fail again. Or I can go really quickly and just see what happens, right? Because I failed both calls. So I was like, maybe, maybe like I'll only fail one, right? Maybe I'll get a little closer. But what was interesting as well is I was talking to one of my clients and I said, well, you know, I could always try again, but if I try the third time and I don't get in, like maybe, maybe I shouldn't pursue this anymore. And she looked at me and she's like, really? Like, really, you're not, you're going to give up on it. So that was helpful. So I think for me having that support, but I talked to a friend of mine and said, you know, I don't know if I should go fast or slow. Like I'm looking for a recommendation. And he was like, why don't you go fast? Why don't you just see? Because it did take eight months from when I turned in my calls to when I actually was rejected. So that's the other thing to think about. It's going to take time for your calls to even be reviewed. So I had learned so much in that time um, I was able to kind of do some soul searching and, and try again. Um, as far as what changed in my coaching, I did look at the feedback. So one of my calls, I had been hesitant because I felt like I had an agenda and I did, I had a very positive agenda. I didn't want my client to beat themselves up. And so I was actually concerned that I had too much of an agenda. At least one, at least two assessors agreed that I had too much of an agenda on that call. So we have to be careful with our glasses, even if they're rose colored glasses, if we're trying to put our perspective in any way on the client, that is our agenda. For the other one, it was really frustrating. I still actually feel that that call should have passed. The client and I started on Zoom, which for my mentees, I don't recommend. Since your assessor is only gonna hear you, I recommend you don't actually see your client. So there's not things happening that, that the assessor can't see. Um, she was on zoom. She was, but she was uncomfortable because I was like, oh, you know, you made this motion or you're doing this, right? Like I was bringing out her awareness. It made her very uncomfortable. So we switched off zoom. And when we switched off zoom, I didn't keep, I didn't keep bringing those things up, especially because it had made her uncomfortable. And the assessor's main feedback was I should have kept doing that. And when I saw that feedback, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like I literally, I did something so I wasn't making the client uncomfortable and then I'm supposed to keep doing that. But when I looked at the MCC markers for the minimum requirements, it does say that if a coach observes behavior, tone, et cetera, they have to do it for the duration of the call. Now, should that one technicality have failed the call completely? I disagree. On the other one, I can say like I had some of an agenda. So for me, it was about what are you doing consistently from a technique perspective? So some of the calls when I re-upped, some of the calls that I think were more life-changing for the clients, I didn't necessarily submit. I made sure that my technique was really clean. And we'd love to say that MCC isn't like that, that it's just your best coaching ever. But I place a lot of stock in what the client takes away, whereas that's not what how you're being measured. You're being measured on your technique. And then for me, the biggest evolution, and I actually knew this when my MCC asked me in my final mentoring hour, what do you want to focus on? What do you need to keep learning? I said, I need to hold better space for when people are broken, 
when they want to be broken. And so a friend of mine read my Hogan results right before I, I re-recorded. And I even thought like, why am I, why am I doing this in the midst of trying to resubmit my MCC? But what she said about my Hogan results that were really helpful, she said, look, you know, there are people, there are people who need to see the cracks in the pot in order to develop. And she's like, you don't think about it that way. Like, why are we crying over this cracked pot? Like, we'll just make another pot. And she said, other people don't have that much clay. And if they're not looking at the cracks or filling the cracks with gold, like that art form, then that's their development. So I had to be better at taking the kind of sheer positive strength and force of my personality. Like, let's not cry. Let's look at this the positive way. And also seeing, you know, if a client really needs to feel broken, but that's part of their process, what does that look like? And so that for me has changed my coaching and also changed some of the relationships in my life. Hmm. So a lot of learnings and a lot of really deep revelations so, Sherry, what did you learn in that year and a half or six months as intervening? Yeah, for me, it was um, the biggest thing was coaching presence. And what really kind of cracked it open for me was when I sat down with my mentor coach and we walked through the transcript. And I was able to read it and see the client said this and you said this. The client said this, and you did this. And some of it was um, still kind of in that um, realm of taking the boxes, right? So the client would say something, and then I would do something like, okay, so then what do you want to get out of this? Or, you know, so, and, and I would be kind of disregarding what they said rather than pulling on it and bringing it in. So after listening to those transcripts and really hearing that I was not really hearing, <laughs> um, that was big for me. And so I really began to work on my coaching presence and also the, um, the coaching agreement. So I say all the time, you'll, you're going to work on the coaching agreement until you retire because you'll never get it right. It'll never be strong enough. You'll just keep trying and you'll keep working on it and it'll get stronger, but there's always going to be space to get better. And so those were the, I think, the biggest things that were not working well. Um, and um, I'd like to say, keep in mind, back to what Diana said, that when you turn in these recordings, for review. It's your best work. It's you're showing that you can coach at this level. That doesn't mean that every call you do is going to be at that level. I have some really crap calls and I'm like, what was that? Um, and it just is what it is. So yeah, it's, it's all out there. <laughs> So and I keep I keep hearing my mentor and in Sheree cases my multiple mentors. So and I know that you two are mentoring um, beginner coaches and coaches who are going to apply for PCC and MCC. And before we get there, what is the role that mentors played in your success? For me, well, were... oh, go ahead. For me, they were vital. They, they were the ones who were saying, nope, not there. 
And they were the ones who were um, encouraging me, but that wasn't what I needed. I needed that hard kind of slap in the face, like, this is what you're doing, stop doing it. And crashing into the asphalt, skyscraper. It's painful. It's pain. It's painful. You know, when you're really good at stuff and the world's telling you you're really good, and then someone says, yeah, not that good. Um, it's, it is painful. And it's, I got a lot of humility um, after, you know, after the fall. And um, I don't know, I, just working with my mentor coaches, and I purposely worked with multiple people who had completely different styles. And um, that way I could learn from them and get perspectives from them that the others didn't have. And when they all kind of came into alignment and said, all right, you're good, good to go. Um, that was when I, I took those last recordings and submitted them. Yeah, I mean, the, the mentor is vital because you don't know where you're going because you coach to the best of your ability. But then a lot of times when you're knocking on the door of MCC, you're usually the one providing the guidance or providing the mentoring or providing the insight. And so it's difficult to know, you know, you're, we, yes, we all have blind spots and things that we, you know, signature strengths and things like that, but it's a difficult to know where we're going. And, you know, with the PCC markers, you can at least look at the PCC markers and say, okay, you know, do I execute on this or no, I only sometimes do this. MCC is very like, how do you bend the spoon? There is no spoon. Like no one can tell you how to get in. Like, well, you have to know the rules in order to break the rules. But it's like, if you don't know the rules and then artfully bend or break them, then you're going to fail. <laughs> so it's just this really nebulous, where am I going and how do I get there? And I definitely, as I progress through my required 10 hours of mentor coaching, you get to the point, and my mentor told me that she's like, okay, at first you're going to be really excited. And then you're going to be like, I, I don't know how to do this. And, and I don't even know what this sounds like. And then you're going to get to a point where you're just trying to grow as a coach and you don't even care about MCC. And those things all happened. And of course I still wanted to learn, but it's like, you've, you've gone through this kind of fire and this journey to what does it mean to even be a coach and how do I be better as a coach? And the theme for me that I had to continuously work on, because often what I find is that it's thematic. So the same theme when I became PCC was a more advanced version of me being MCC, which was how do I, how do I make sure I'm, I'm holding the client as resourceful and whole and not accidentally taking over the agenda. And how do you do that? How do you, especially because I have a strong personality. So how does my strong personality make sure that I'm holding the space for the client without kind of taking over? So it really takes someone else's feedback and mentoring to say, you know, my mentor identified, okay, you know, I find that there's kind of a couple skill building areas and a mindset shift. And so she listened to a baseline call and was like, here's your skill building areas, which no surprise is the coaching agreement. Time spent in the coaching agreement always pays dividends. So spend time there. But then she said, I don't know what your mindset shift is. Do you? And I did because it was that similar vein. And I didn't know how much of myself to put in my sessions without you know, while still honoring the client as resourceful and whole. So it's, it's like, you can't see what you can't see, 
But then what she and I both experienced was your mentor knows you and understands you. And then I was also mentored by someone from my ACTP program. So the thing is, is that I got assessors that did not agree with us. <laughs> so that's the other thing. It's also, it's a highly subjective process. And one of the things they did when the pass rate went from 7% to 50% is they found out that there were some MCCs who had never passed anyone. So, you know, as one of my clients says, gatekeepers be gatekeeping, <laughs> right? So yeah. it's hard to figure out how do I get there when it's like, oh, well, you just have to embody it but nobody can really tell you where you're going. It's, it's a really frustrating process. And, and what I'll say, I always wanted to be an MCC. I was always planning on pursuing MCC when I double failed or got my two red X's. I understood, I understand why people don't keep going because the first time I understood that. So, uh, and you also said that this failure it's kind of a reflection on somebody's work on your mentor coaching, mentor coach work, right? And that whole shame is like, not only I failed, but you- But I failed my mentor. Yeah. So you two are mentor coaches now. What do you do to keep that perfect record? What is the secret sauce? I don't think the perfect record is the goal. Um, I do find that people I'm mentoring will say, I feel like I failed you. And I'm like, that's not a thing. Mm. It's not a thing. I, I, there's no such thing as you failed me. I don't, I don't even understand that language. Um, it's really about where are you and how do we get you where you want to be? And um, holding them as whole through the process, which means being honest, being straightforward, and really being able to be neutral so that I don't let my like for you make me like, I know you're a good coach. And then you end up overlooking something they're doing um, because you know, they can. So that familiarity can be, can be rough. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think it's just being with them through the process, not worrying about, it's not about me, just like when I'm coaching, it's not about my perfect record. Um, I did have one person fail um, in, a, in one of the lower level certifications that I thought was I thought was the next level and they failed at the level beneath. And I was like, oh, oh, what? Oh, my God. And so now that is like that will never happen again. I will never let somebody pass. I'll be way harder than any assessor will be before I will let somebody do that again. Um, it broke my heart for him. And I felt like I had just completely failed him. And I was like, nope, can't do that again. Yeah, I mean, I, I resonate. For, for me, I just talked to my mentees about it because actually in my PCC mentoring, my PCC mentor there was a point at which I had my scheduled final mentor coaching session. And she was like, you're not there. Like basically I had regressed. She was like, now you're just doing coaching because I was trying to do it so correctly. And so thankfully I stayed with her with one more, like she gave me one more hour. And then I flew through my exam. Whereas my friend who had had no problem 
she, with her mentoring didn't pass her exam. So for, for my mentees, it's just a matter of like, Hey, knowing that this is how the process goes. Now, I think in some ways it can be intimidating because they're like, Oh, this person who's teaching me how to coach has failed. How can I ever get through? But I feel like if failure is something where you're like, Hey, I got a 50, 50 shot or this pass rate on the first time is only 7%. And that's the other thing. I don't think we know what the, I think we know what the pass rate is overall. I don't think we know what the pass rate is for first attempt. So I, to me, it's about kind of the exposure and just saying, Hey, I failed. I learned. How do I support you? And then also I tell people if, you know, I just had a session today with someone who is absolutely at the PCC level, the calls that this person are submitting, I said, look, I don't think, I don't think you're going to get through. Like, I think you're going to get hit on this one for this call and you're going to hit it on this one. If you want to take the chance that your assessor is not as harsh or greater I am, you can. And here's what happens. And they chose to take that risk. Now, usually what happens is I'll say something like, hey, intuitively, I feel like you can get through on this. We could keep going or we could keep working because that's the thing. It's a time investment. It's also a money investment as we keep going. So I always tell my mentees where we are, whether it's like, I feel this is very strong, but heads up, you know, assessors are human or, hey, this is a bit of a risk. Do you want to take a chance? Or it will be really interesting to see with the person that I talked to today, whether or not they either get PCC, get ACC, or just get the door closed in the face. I mean, it's, it's an interesting feedback for us as, as mentors, because in addition to learning as coaching, we're still learning as mentors. Then plus everything changes. We have new core competencies. There's new markers. So it's a constant evolution. And I think if, you know, a friend of mine who talks about generational poverty would speak to groups and she'd say, you know, when does learning become failure? And I think if we can continue to look at it as learning, as opposed to looking at failure, there's something even about the word failure that indicates that it's over. But if someone knows, hey, I might fail, it might take a couple attempts, I'm going to keep going. It's a very different experience. So something to say for, I haven't failed, I learned. Mm -hmm. I learned and moved on. So... um, your boss mentions that the feedback from your recordings that you submitted to kind of MCC uh, was pretty much non-existent. Um, and how do you approach feedback to your mentees in your um, mentor coaching engagement? Yeah, I think very differently. <laughs> um, I tend to go line by line. Right here's what you here's how, here's where this question fell in the competencies, here's what it covered, here's how it could have been better, or here's how it violated its it's contra evidence to this competency. And so I go line by line, um, everything that happened, and then also look at the wider view of when I look at the entire recording, is coaching presence there? Not have you hit the markers, because markers are only a piece of the equation. You don't coach to the markers. If you are competent, those markers will will show up. And so really trying to help them understand both aspects of it. You can hit all of the markers and not be at an ACC level if you don't truly um, embody the competencies. 
Yeah. So I give very detailed feedback as well, you know, in, in, in the, you know, notes in the transcript or using something like Ray notes where you can actually code the markers and then it exports as a transcript is really helpful. What I will say though, being an assessor is just how time consuming it is. And so I do have, you know, listening to a 30 minute call. I mean, it, it will take hours. It's like medical coding. It is not my favorite thing. I'm going to admit that right now. It's like medical coding because with a good question, someone can hit like five markers with a good question or one of the things that, so I have a, I have a book called listen mentor coaching for coaches the use of silence or listening hits like seven markers. So some of what you're talking about, like it's, it's not, there's so much present. And also in, you know, as an assessor myself, I relate to how time consuming it is, but you know, they're not giving you a bunch of feedback on the transcript. They're just giving you overall comments. I also think honestly, when you're at the top of your game and your mentor tells you you're at the top of your game, and then someone else fails you, it doesn't, I don't know that it matters how much feedback you get. Like, it's still going to hurt. It's still going to be painful. And, and I don't know that you're going to understand at least on the call where they were like, you have an agenda. That was my concern with submitting that call. I agreed with that. Now that other call where it was, you know, you should have kept talking about this. I was like, really? Like what a technicality. You're going to fail my whole call on a technicality. That one felt like, that one felt like a cheap shot. I'm going to be honest with you on that one. I didn't agree with that one. And so what I even thought was, is this someone who had listened to both calls and then is giving me like a cumulative fail, but then you'll have other assessors who say that they only get one call at a time. Mm -hmm. So that's not necessarily the case. Um, so, you know, I think we try to give as much feedback as possible to equip people, but in the reality, I just spoke to someone who, was saying that as a mentor, they were giving their mentee feedback and their mentee wasn't, it's a blind spot. Their mentee wasn't accepting it. And so they said, go ahead and submit because you need to get this from someone else. And when that person submitted and failed and that assessor gave the same feedback, they were ready to listen. So, you know, it wasn't particularly helpful feedback. It was frustrating, but because it was my barrier to entry, I think it was going to feel like that anyway. And, you know, and, and a little bit sounded like the opportunity to do, I, I told you so dance. <laughs> Just go ahead, submit. I told you that you're going to fail. Well, no, I mean, I think for that mentor, it, it was a matter of, you know, we can only coach people if they want to be coached. And people only listen if they want to listen. So, you know, we can say to our mentees, like, hey, it's, it's the same thing with the, the mentee that, you know, I said like, there's, I, I think she might come back with two red X's and, but I feel like it's my role to say, if this call doesn't pass, this is why, if this call doesn't pass, this is why it's not about, I told you so. I think it's about our relationship with risk. Yeah. And one thing that I did realize not until later is that the lack of feedback was kind of a gift because as you grow, you will figure that out. And it's not the assessor's job to teach you how to coach. It's the assessor's job to say, can you or can you not? And at what level? And so they're quite frankly, not there to give you detailed feedback and tell you how to fix your coaching. That's your- It would have been nice though. <laughs> sure, it would have been nice. It would have been nice if they had just passed me because I- Exactly. <laughs> 
Learning, cost, learning. probably cost you different money. Yeah. With feedback. So uh, we keep talking about continuous learning, learning after the failure, uh, learning as you go, learning kind of in the process after you became MCC. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, what are you learning from your mentees when you work with them, when you review their recordings, when you give them feedback? What is that? I, I know that I learn a lot through their questions and through the things they do, like as I'm listening to them, um, their recordings or we're doing live action feedback where they're coaching me and I'm responding and giving them feedback as I'm being the client. Um, but I learn a lot. You don't know what you know until you start to actually pull it out and talk about it. So I realize a lot of things as I'm mentoring. I realize a lot of things when I'm teaching. And that's why my um, my my teaching tends to grow and evolve. Um, and, and so yeah, I think it's important if you're if you have the right level of humility, you can learn from anybody. I learn from my students all the time. And often when I'm grading I'm like, oh, I like that question. I might have to put that one in my memory bank and see if I might use it. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, you can learn anywhere you want to. Yeah, so I, I trained as an internal coach. So we were surrounded by other coaches and we could hear people coaching all the time. And then they would switch our seats and we would hear other people coaching. So you could, what we call ear hustle, you could ear hustle all the time. And there's benefits to that because you learn things you can try. And you also learn effective language that you're like, I would never say that, but you hear it work for someone else. And I think that that's important when we talk about diversity and inclusion, right? We need, we need that diversity. We need to hear different perspectives. You know, in my group, I, that's part of why I love group mentoring so much because they can hear each other, but you know, in, in group mentoring last night, there's the coach asked a question that I wouldn't recommend, but when the client was asked for her takeaway, her takeaway was that question. And so what I brought up to them, I said, look, this is why, you know, in the group mentoring, we asked the client what their takeaways are, because here's my recommendation as your mentor, but here's what resonated with the client. And I think that's, that's the thing we have to be able to have an arsenal to try other things on. And then as far as mentees, I mean, working with coaches is one of the best things ever. <laughs> people who want to learn and grow so they can help other people learn and grow. That's a pretty sweet group of people to hang out with. And so uh, we know that to become an ICF uh certified or ICF credential coach, you have to work with a mentor coach, right? And uh, I kind of heard that uh, it pays off to work with different mentor coaches, maybe with somebody who didn't train you, maybe with somebody who you didn't spend a lot of time or learned your kind of coaching skills from. So uh, what your recommendation would be to those coaches who are to apply for ICF credential and they are looking for a mentor coach? What should they be looking for? Someone who um, knows what they're doing. <laughs> Anybody can call themselves a mentor coach, but have they been trained in the ICF PCC markers and how to actually assess recordings? If you can get a mentor coach who is either an ICF assessor for ICF um, applications 
or an assessor at an ACTP program, they've been trained in um, exactly how ICF grades the recordings their assessors. So those are gonna be the, the most valuable because you know without a doubt that they know what they're doing as far as grading the recordings. For others, um, yeah, I, I mean, I would ask where they got their training, um, if they're certified as a major coach. Um, yeah, I think I think those are the big things for me. Yeah, I think I think diversity is helpful. I don't know that it's a I don't know that it's a have to. It's just something to be aware of. So I have a coach who I trained as a coach and he continues to work with me. My doing his MCC mentoring is a little bit of a risk because he's trained in my image to my style and we've been together for so long. Now, as an MCC, I'm hoping he gets through first time, no problem. But at the same time is something that I'll need to talk to him about because it may be worth, even if it's one session or having someone else review the call, that that's important. I also really think it's important that you feel that you're meant like you have a high level of respect and understanding for your mentor, because I had someone who completed their mentoring with someone else and came over to me and was like, listen, I, my mentor coach is not telling, they're telling me I'm great, but I don't know if I can pass. Right. And I said, well, you know, in their defense, we're not allowed to say, but they wanted, they wanted someone to say, Hey, submit this call or don't. Um, also, you know, that person felt like my mentor is trying to make me coach like them versus figuring out what coaching like me is. And so to me, that's a red flag. Like it's not about creating, we don't need a bunch of Diana ideas. So I tell you that right now we'd be in trouble. Okay. So it's not about creating someone in your own image. It's figuring out like, what's that coach's voice? What's, what do the core competency sound like? How do they show up? So you know, I think that's one of the beautiful things about credentialing is that it's so much authenticity goes in there. It's authenticity and mastery of whatever you're good at. But I do have some people who feel that their mentors weren't supportive or don't listen to them. Um, so that's absolutely a no-go <laughs> on that, in addition to some of the other qualifications. But I do think it's about fit because ultimately, you know, there's at least a 50% chance that you're going to fail. And so if you really want to make sure that you trust that person and that's someone that you're willing to work through, work with, or the other thing is, is like, and this is when it comes down to risk, you can stay with someone the whole time, but be, a, they should be aware of what their blind spots are. Mm -hmm. So I feel like if a mentee was asking me, Hey, what are your blind spots? I'd be able to say, Hey, I'm a really light touch on creating awareness and I'm a light touch on managing progress and accountability. So heads up there, we may need to work a little bit more. So as a mentor, I should be able to say what my blind spots are so we can work with that. Um, if someone isn't sure and doesn't know, that's a concern. And for me, my PCC mentor was one of the original MCCs. She was incredible. I loved working with her. I learned so much for her from her, but when it was time for me to pursue my MCC, I wanted a PCC who had then become an MCC because so much has changed. And I think that's one of the things that'll potentially play to our advantage is that we're 2020 MCCs. So the rules continuously change, but five years from now, people coming to us because we have more experience, maybe going to someone else because they've recently gone through the process. Yeah. Um, I think it's really important when you're working with a mentor coach um, 
get the I want to apply for MCC out of your head and learn. Which is hard because you do <laughs> want to apply for MCC and that's why you're shelling out the money. Just I, for the record. I, I get it. I get it. But, you know, I've seen it over and over. I'm so, so on the goal that I won't listen. And mm. so get what, learn everything you can. Um, I do advise if you're, if you're working towards MCC, get a couple, at least two different mentors, maybe the lower level certifications. You don't, you might not need more than one mentor. I did, or I wanted one and I went that route, but it gives you a, a completely different perspective. Um, And like Diana, I, I got one mentor who had just passed her MCC like a month later. And so she was fresh through it. She knew, and she was able to say, I don't think this is going to pass in certain areas. And what's really interesting was my original mentor who was wonderful. The recording she passed, there was a spot in it where the other one said, I just don't think this is going to go. And I listened to the other one because of course she had more experience and the newer mentor um, the newer MCC, because she had been through that experience, she actually had a better grip on it. Mm. So I want to change topic here a little bit. Okay. So we know that coaching through emotions is hard. And mm. I would imagine that it's hard for MCCs. Sitting in a session where somebody bursts into tears, I mean, you can get comfortable with that. It's always an experience. And the first thing we tell the beginner coaches, just shut up. Just be there. Just be there for them. How is that experience parallel to your talking to somebody who just failed? Yes. So the friend of mine who I talked to about it and I was just so discouraged and so devastated. He was like, how do you want me to show up for you right now? Right. And I think that's the best, I think that's the best question, right? Because, you know, it's, do you want me to burn it down? Like, should we, you know, are we strategizing? Like, what are we doing? And I said, you know, I want your opinion, right? I wanted to know fast or slow. Like, what do you, what do you think I should do? So it's interesting because in that moment, you know, even though I know that I'm resourceful and whole and I'm celebrating my clients as resourceful and whole, when you fail, you don't feel resourceful and whole. And so it can be helpful to get someone else's opinion. And I also, for me, part of my process, and I think this is about knowing your patterns and knowing your process. I like to get support and opinions of the people who matter to me. And then I take that in as feedback and then I decide what I'm going to do. And, and I think the more you know about how do I process failure, how do I process extreme emotion, you know, have I ever had something before that I really wanted and the door got closed in my face? If there's things proactively you can do, I think that's, that's great. Yeah. So for me, it's kind of the same way I would just would respond if they had any other kind of tragic thing happening in their life. Um, I'm sorry, you have to go through this, you know, validate that feeling, allow them to feel it. Um, Be there to say, you know, this sucks. 
it, it does. It sucks. And I'm sorry. And what can I do to help? And when you're ready, let's, let's move forward, right? When they come to you and say, I failed, that's not the time to say, well, let's look at everything. That's the time to say, well, let's process this. So now you boss MCC is sitting on top of that Mount Olympus. <laughs> look, 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 looking down at populace that's walking there. Now that you have this experience, what is one thing that you have that you would have done differently on your journey to becoming an MCC? Oh, I can answer that. <laughs> um, for me, it was the place between PCC and MCC. So um, I went through all this learning. I went straight to PCC. I was I never went to ACC. Me too. And so I went straight to PCC and I thought I had arrived and I stopped learning. And I, um, I didn't understand that it was the beginning of a journey, not the end of it. And, and so it wasn't until I began to understand that, that I was able to progress. And um, I had to back up. So there was a time when I was doing a lot of learning and I had to say, stop, like stop going to classes, stop reading books, stop all of it and take what you already know and do it. Because there's a huge difference between knowledge and execution. So when you're done executing, then start to layer more knowledge on top of it. And that was the best advice I'd ever given myself. Um, <laughs> and it's the advice I give to others. Don't go so fast. This is about being the best coach and ranked among the best coaches in the world. It's not about um, how, many, how many little gold stars and certificates you get to hang on your wall. That's not where it's at. Yeah, I mean, there is no Mount Olympus, <laughs> right? Like there's, you know, about 11 or 1200 of us globally, and I'm happy to be in those ranks. But the thing is, is that, you know, I've had MCs not, MCCs not listen to me, be dismissive, you know, and I'm like, what? Like, I'm trying to get to your level and what, right? It's, we're talking about humans. Like, this is a human process. For me, it's really about believing in the process. So even though it really hurt to be rejected and it was unexpected, and you don't know what you don't know, right? Like it's, those were the best calls I had at that point um, because it had been eight months until they got back to me, which I don't know if that's because some people said I passed and some people didn't, I have no idea. But you know, when we threw a pandemic in there on top of everything else, but you know, I also believed in the process enough that it was like, well, if I can't get in, we have two options. I could send in the same calls and get other assessors and see if the other assessors will let me in, which I did not do, but I had a moment, you know, like, you know, and then, and then also kind of believing in the process to say, okay, I am going to learn from this because I did, I was a much stronger coach in the second round. And I, I think though, you have to make space and time for the stages of grief, right? Like, are you angry? Are you bargaining? Are you sad? Do you need a timeout? right? For, for me, sprinting and being like, well, if I am going to fail once, I'll fail twice, and then I'll go really, you know, like, it's, it's just figuring out, like, what are your stages of grief? And what do you need to do? Now, I think, 
when I went into my second round of recordings, I was like, well, am I supposed to be a coach robot and just have perfect and flawless technique and not be myself? But as soon as I got on, you know, I did so many recordings just to kind of like, so you don't even think about the fact it's being recorded. As soon as I got on with a client, I was like, no, you know what? I'm just going to be the coach I am and I'm going to learn what I can learn. And if they say, sorry, kid, you can't get in, then I'll learn from that too. So I think that there just has to be some, always the question, like, what am I learning from this? The reality, as nice as it would have been for me not to fail, it makes me a better mentor and it makes me more focused on asking other people for help instead of always being the supporter than if I had gone through. Mm -hmm. So it's been an absolutely fantastic conversation. And um, aside of the fact that you both made it, you both made it from the second attempt, which really doesn't matter. You made it. (laughs) What my personal takeaway from that, that there are many more than one path there. Mm -hmm. And you can succeed going this way or that way and it takes perseverance, and it takes hard work, and it takes learning really open mindset. Well, thank you so much for today's conversation. It's been enlightening. And this was uh, Tandem Coaching Academy's Keeping Agile Non-Denominational Podcast. And I was your host, Alex Kudnov. Bye now. Let's go.